A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and comedian Craig Gass returns to the show with a big announcement. Before we hear Craig's big announcement, one-time Kiss guitar player Vinnie Vincent has returned from obscurity after 30 years, and he spoke exclusively to Mitch LaFon on Rock Talk right here on the Jericho Network. He speaks so candidly about his relationship with Kiss and even what was happening in the band as Vinnie was helping them write the Creatures of the Night album. Let's listen to what Vinnie has to say. When the writing for the record actually began... And then other songs started to happen. And, and I said, well, you know, do you have any other songs? I said, yeah, I've got a lot of songs. So, well, why don't you get together with Gene and Paul and let's see what happens. And my God, it was an igniting of fuels and, and spark and the fireball of creativity and songs and the recordings that got really good now in the middle of, of that process they were bringing in guitar players they were still auditioning guitar players now i am writing the songs for the album with them and but they're auditioning guitar players and you know the, it was painful for me because i wanted this so bad there was i never wanted anything in my life anything Probably since from that point, from before that, up until that point, I never wanted anything as bad as I wanted to be in that, be in the group, because I bonded with them. They bonded with me. We bonded together. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. How could I bond with the three of them? But, but we did. 
It's an incredible conversation. Vinny Vincent seldom does interviews. I couldn't even get him, but he goes in-depth and in detail with Mish. So go listen to Vinny's Kiss stories and more on Rock Talk with Mish LaFon. They were talking for like an hour. Vinny only did 10 minutes with Eddie Trunk, for gosh sakes. This is the exclusive scoop from Mitch LaFon uh, about Vinny Vincent. It's out now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Hit the subscribe button as well. Mitch always has great music guests. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Go check it out now. You won't be disappointed. And speaking of great guests and kiss... I think we should get to this one today on Talk is Jericho. Craig Gass is back, like I mentioned. He's got a huge announcement, which we'll also get to. He's also got killer impressions, as we heard last time, with Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Al Pacino, Sam Kinison. Let's get our laugh on with Craig Gass, right here on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, here uh, in Seattle, and uh, I get a call from, from my friend Craig Gass, and I know that you only come to town to do shows when you can uh, combine them with either sports events or rock and roll shows. That's right. So you came to see uh, Fozzie. Yep. And you have a show in, in the Seattle area. And I'm actually, I'm going to drive from here to Spokane. But yeah, I book all my comedy shows around the United States, around sporting events and concerts. And I ran into Jericho. This is a really cool thing. Um, I've been wanting to go to Winnipeg for a long time because I keep hearing that Winnipeg is a great rock town. And I just kept thinking. No, is that true? Yeah. Okay, because uh, it is. People but- at Live Nation, friends of mine in Live Nation, friends of mine at AEG, and friends of mine who tour with bands. I have a ton of friends who are always on the road have told me Winnipeg is a great rock town. They always sell a lot of tickets for rock yeah. bands in Winnipeg. And uh, I've always thought that. I would do well there because of that, if it's a big rock town. So I've been waiting for the right rock concert to hit Winnipeg that I could go. And there was a Guns N' Roses show on a Wednesday night, which is like, that's perfect. I'll come in early. I'll do radio and TV all week. I'll take a little break, watch Guns N' Roses, and then uh, and then uh, do my show. And then as I get closer to showtime, uh, I'm about a month away from doing the show that all of a sudden there's an announcement that the day after Guns N' Roses, Chris Jericho's going to do a thing. And I was like, is he doing word, the yeah. same thing I'm doing? Is he, <laughs> is he timing it to be it's, there? It's actually not. It, it, what happened was they, were, they wanted me to come and do a spoken word show. I do them from time to time. And just by a twist of fate, uh, Guns N' Roses was playing the day before. So I didn't have any idea. It just happened to be that way. Really? Yeah. Now, do you remember what happened, though, at the hotel? Of course. That was the coolest <laughs> thing of all. Uh, so the Guns N' Roses, uh, there's this crazy thing that happens where I text Duff and I text Chris to say, hey, man, um, it's not even my show. It's an open mic. There's an open mic going on in downtown Winnipeg if you guys want to check out. There's actually some great local comedians in Winnipeg if you guys want to come to an open mic. And um, I don't hear back from Actually, I think I heard back right away from Chris. Chris said, you know what, dude? I'm actually flying in pretty late. Yeah, I got in at like 8 o'clock at night or something. Yeah, Yeah. so Chris hit me back. Duff doesn't return my text. (laughs) And uh, I go out to dinner with a couple friends who work with Guns N' Roses. And then we head to the open mic. Me and a couple road crew guys. And the show's about to start when I go, oh, shit. Let me check with Duff and see if uh, I'll just text and say, hey, if you want to come by, this is the name of the place. And I start walking towards the exit when a couple of huge guys walk into the room and I look up and it's Duff with a couple security guys 
The big Samoan guys. Big Samoan guys. Yeah. And uh, and then it's not even an hour after that, we see Chris. And that was the weirdest thing, because we're in a room laughing and joking. And then all of a sudden, the door opens up. It was almost like the wacky next-door neighbor on a sitcom. <laughs> Professional wrestler Chris Jericho pops his head in. Hey, keep it down in there. And I go, what the hell is Chris Jericho? It was like a lounge on like the 17th floor. And what happened was um, I asked Duff. Hey, I'm going to be in town. Where are you staying? Yeah. And he said the Fancyton Inn, which he always says that he calls it the Fancyton Inn of the Fancyton <laughs> Suites. So I actually Googled Fancyton Inn. I'm like, where the hell is that? There's no such hotel. I'm like, so okay, so I get it. You made it up. He's where, making a joke. Right, yeah. Where are you staying? I, I can't remember. It was like the Fort Gary or wherever it was. And I go, dude, that's where I'm staying. And that's not... That's where the, the, the promoters put me up, too. Really? And I'm like, he's like, are you following me? I'm like, no. And then we find out that not only are we staying in the same hotel, we're staying on the same floor three doors down from each other. Yeah. So when I, walk, when I go up to my floor, I hear people talking. And I heard your voice and I heard Duff's voice. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I go and walk around the corner and there you guys are all sitting. And then they open the door. There's Chris. Yeah. He actually did. Uh, he comes out to the open mic and... Um, and it's crazy because there's a good crowd there hugging the stage. Duff is way in the back with a couple of big security guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were guys on stage doing Guns N' Roses jokes. Really? Yeah. There oh, was, because they're in town? Because they're in town and, and it's the big story that Guns N' Roses is playing. They're playing a stadium. They're playing a football yeah. stadium in town. So the big, you know, there's guys making jokes. I remember there was one guy who said... I remember the joke was, yeah, I call my dick Axl Rose because I get up around seven, but it doesn't get up until nine. <laughs> Something like that. It was so like, it was some kind of, and, and nobody knows that there's, that one of the guys from Guns N' Roses is sitting, sitting behind there. everybody. Yeah. In fact, there was one moment where uh, I was talking to Duff and I didn't want to draw any attention to him. And a guy walked up and said, uh, Hey, I'm really sorry to bother you. And Duff kind of started to look down, and the guy looked at me and said, "I'm a huge King of Queens fan." I go, oh, "No way, no way!" And I and without saying, "Hey, Duff," I just said to the whole group of guys, "I said, remember this date. Just just write this down. Remember this date that this actually happened." And I had that one time. Uh, I parked my car in L.A. and went for a suntan. It was upstairs on Sunset Strip. Yeah. And uh, Matt Dillon came out at the same time I did. So. I'm kind of walking a little bit uh, behind him. Uh, oh, I don't want to walk up too fast, but, you know, I'm right behind him. And we're going to the same place. So we walk down these stairs, and the, there's the Mexican uh, valet. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Chris Jericho. <laughs> and Matt Dillon looks behind like, what? I'm like, sorry, dude. Here's my keys. You have that to wait. That is awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, the, but the show that night was fun at Guns N' Roses because we actually watched the show together in the uh, – Fancy pants box. Yeah. So uh, Duff is, um, he has, uh, he, he says, hey, there's going to be a, a family and friends room. And it's it's a big room. I get to the venue so early that I'm the only person in the room when I first get yes. there. And I think, oh, man. Wow. I, it's it's It looks like this is set up for a massive party. As the show starts, the entire party is just me and Chris and our friends. Like, yeah. nobody was there except yeah. for you and your friends. And I had two radio buddies. I think you knew one of them. Yeah, one of the dudes from uh, the Winnipeg Morning Show. Yeah, yeah. Dave, the yeah, uh, the yeah. morning guy, Wheeler. Yeah. And uh, Wheeler and his wife. And uh, I remember during the show, uh, Chris, lo it, it's this is a really crazy thing. I'm a fan. 
uh, and and I, I learned a few days later in watching your one man show that you're as much of a fan as I am of what I love, and I, I really admired the stories you told about your fandom of professional wrestling and when wrestlers would come to town. I used to do the same thing growing up and finding out where bands were staying at and then go to see if I could just say hi to someone who I really admired and looked up to. And um, so the show's going on and Chris stops and makes an announcement. Hey, this, all right, this is the best Guns N' Roses song of all time. This one right here. Best writing, the structure, the solo, best song of all time. A couple guys look over, yeah, yeah, that is, man, yeah. And then two songs later, he goes, no, wait, scratch that. Chris goes, no, this, I'm sorry, I forgot about this one. This is the best song of all time because, think about this, and he explains why. Five songs later, oh my God, I forgot, dude. This, okay, this is it. This is the best of all time. And I felt like there were some people who wanted to challenge you, but because physically you could hospitalize anybody in that room, nobody did it. But the like, best thing is I was, I was there with my friends, so your friends can challenge you. You know, True. Your friends can tell you. But the, the most random of all things was, I remember looking, there was a blonde chick in there. Like, she came in later on, and I was like, that chick looks like a Baywatch chick. And it was Donna Derrick. Oh, my God. Who used to be married to Nikki Six. And I'm like, this is... Okay, so I got Craig Gass. Yep. I got Howard Jones from Devil You Know and Light the Torch and uh, Kill yep. Switch Engage. He randomly lives in Winnipeg. And then I got Donna Derrico watching Guns N' Roses. I was like, I remember asking her afterwards when I met, met her, she was down in Slash's room. I'm like, like, what are you doing here? And she was kind of like, like, not your business creep. But I'm like, no, like, I, I'm just like, why are you in Winnipeg? That is hilarious. It was just the most random of, of Did shows. Did she know who you were? I don't think she had a clue. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised that she was there too. And then, uh, and the show's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, you made a reference to Duff uh, always making, like, goofy comments and stuff. Goofy jokes. D- Duff is the king of goofy jokes. Yeah. And the weird thing is, I won't see him for sometimes six months or a year. And when I see him, I think I'm going into a conversation with him the way that he starts a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he'll go, hey, did you know? <laughs> and I'll walk right into it. Yeah. He sent me a text and said, uh, oh, man. Dude, I don't know if you heard, all the cell phones have turned off in San Diego. And I was like, what? And I text him back. I go, they did? Why? What happened? Is there something going on? And he doesn't respond. And I'm like, what the hell? And I and I, I go, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's a terrorist attack. The, and, and I get online and I, and I type in Google and um, uh, San Diego cell phones, nothing. I, 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 uh, I go to CNN. There's nothing on CNN. There's nothing on. <laughs> and I'm, I'm searching different. I'm like, wait, what's going on with the cell phones? And then I stopped and I went, oh, my God. San Diego just lost their chargers. I was like, oh, my God. He never even responded. He never even responded. I was like, oh, you. He texts me. He actually, he, he, if this show airs on a Friday, he calls every Friday and does the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, I love that. And it started actually that day because he did, he did my podcast that day uh, of Guns N' Roses. He, they haven't done any press at all. Good point. And he did my show. But uh, the one that I was laughing, he just called, he called me the other day. He's like, hey, did you hear the Italian chef died? <laughs> I said, no. He goes, yeah, he passed away. <laughs> he passed away. 
The joke I remember was that he said, uh, this, uh, this is a really corny joke. Guy walks into a bar. Uh, nobody is in the bar except for this guy, the customer and the bartender. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, can I get a beer? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I'll be right back. And the bartender walks away. And then this guy hears, uh, hey, you look good. And the guy looks around. doesn't see anybody. And, and you smell good, too. Look at you. Handsome and you smell good. And he's looking around like, that's weird. The bartender comes back and he goes, excuse me, uh, hearing somebody talking to me. And he goes, it's the Peanuts. He goes, the peanuts, and on the bar, there's a bowl of peanuts. He goes, they're complimentary. <laughs> That's a duff. It's, a, it's yeah. such a duff joke. <laughs> all right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. ask you a question talking about jokes i'm sure you get to answer this question all the time but when you do your your uh routines where are you getting your your ideas and jokes and, and thoughts from i get them from well for me it's always stories yeah you're um, not going up there doing slapstick but like where you like stuff that happens to you at life or just something that you think of that you think is funny yeah it's changed a lot over the years i used to go up and and do more stand-up I would try to write out material, and now my stand-up has evolved into stories about myself. I've, I've, I've had really embarrassing moments with um, some of my heroes, and uh, uh, like you know, the whole Gene Simmons thing is just a continuous. I'm always um, scared of him. Um, he's a, he's a very intimidating man. Um, I always, uh, I always say the wrong thing. Like I, I was at a, uh, it's actually a two part story, but the, the second part of the story is, uh, Kenny G was on a flight with me, uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles. And Kenny said something really nice to me backstage at a Slayer concert. Wow. Kenny G is backstage at a Slayer Megadeth show in Long Beach because his son Ah. is a huge metalhead. Right. And his son takes guitar lessons from the guy who's playing guitar right now in Megadeth. So I see Kenny G on the flight. I don't, he's sitting right in front of me. 
And um, after we land and we go down to baggage claim, I go, uh, Kenny, Craig Guest, stand-up comedian. He goes, hey, super nice guy. Yeah, he's been and, on the show before. And he has, yeah. and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, oh, um, hey, let me let me introduce to you. Uh, and he introduced me to this guy. He goes, this is our new drummer. Um, this is Craig. Craig's a he's a stand-up comedian. He does voices on Family Guy. And he goes, oh, cool, right on. And Kenny goes, hey, I'll be right back. I'm gonna get a luggage cart. And I go, oh, right on. And I look at the drummer and I go, uh, so you're the new guy? And he goes, yeah. And I go, how bad did the old guy f up that you're the new guy? And he goes, what? And I knew from the way he said what that I should just stop. I should just I should just stop right here because clearly something's wrong. But I said, I'm saying how much of an idiot of a dipshit was the guy that you replaced that you got a gig now. And he goes, he died. And I went, huh. And I just left baggage claim. I left. Ba I just. I didn't even want to stick around for my bags because you know if you don't pick up your bags, they'll just they'll just put them over with it. And I just I just left baggage claim. It was so embarrassing that I just left. And I love. I will tell stories on stage that uh, if a friend tells me a story, I go, Oh my god, I want to use that story. And that is why. And I want to get to this that watching your one man show, it's stand up. Your yeah. your stories are stand up. You told, and some of it's just brilliant. Like, you told a story that I don't know if you tell this every night, or if it was just a Winnipeg thing because you were talking about a Winnipeg pizza place. DJs. And do you talk about that on stage? No. Okay. So in Winnipeg, the place goes nuts. First of all, seeing Chris Jericho in Winnipeg is gotta be. It's gotta be like seeing Guns and Roses in Hollywood, or or being with Jimmy Superfly Snuka at the crime scene. Like like actually being where the shit's going down, where it all started. And uh, and Chris walks out. He's a total rock star, and he talks about working at this pizza place. And there was a genius way that you figured out how to get ahead of a policy that they had the pizza place, right? Right. Which was? If um, <laughs> if someone orders a pizza for pickup and they don't pick it up within like an hour or two, that the, that the guys in the back can eat it. It's free for the employees, free for employees. as long as nobody picks it up within right. two hours. So I would always call and be like, hello, this is Dave Johnson, and I want a uh, ground beef and pepperoni pizza, please, for pickup. Every day before your shift. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You, you would call in yeah, a pizza. With a different name. And, and then show up two hours. show up two hours, like right at my time for, for the shift, be like, oh, this pizza's been sitting here for two hours. You like, want it? I'm uh, like, geez, again? Well, sure. No that problem. is, I love this story. Yeah. So I started to tell you about D. Snyder last time I saw you, and about how I used to work with him. On uh, on a radio show, D told me is a, in Hartford or where, where in Hartford? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Wow, you're his co-host. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't his co-host. I came up once a week, and I would write uh, jokes for him, write material. Uh, we would kind of brainstorm uh, thoughts of bits to do for the morning show, and um, which I would do for like an hour or two, and then go. So um, when um. When you're in Twisted Sister, what, what what was it like? Like I would just ask him, like, what was Lemmy like? Because he Lemmy was one of the biggest Twisted Sister yeah, performers. He got them uh, off uh, the ground. Yeah, he helped. He was one of their biggest supporters. Um, he uh, has great stories about Ronnie James Dio. So um, he invited me to his house for New Year's Eve on his last New Year's that he was going to be in Long Island. He lives in California now. He told me a story at twelve thirty in the morning on New Year's Day that I knew 
this is going to be the greatest story of this entire year. I'm never going to hear anything better than this. This is, and I've told the story on stage. It's such a good story. Apparently, Twisted Sister still does, up until they retired, uh, what, a year ago? Yeah. They still did great business in Europe and South America. And they were doing a big festival in Europe. The headliner was ACDC. The singer of ACDC, Brian Johnson, comes into the band's dressing room to say hi. And the band is naked. They're getting ready to go on stage. And Brian Johnson is holding court in the entrance of the dressing room. And he starts to look over at the drummer, AJ Perro, and then he starts staring at him. And then he walks over and he goes, Hey man, did you know you've got a giant f dick on your back, man? And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, your fucking tattoos are big f dick. And he goes, it's not a, it's a dragon. It's an angry dragon. <laughs> and Brian goes, I know it's a f dragon, but look, it looks like a big f shaft. You got two f balls down here. It looks like a big thick head. Now the whole band's looking at him going, holy shit, AJ, turn around. Turn around. Just turn around. Turn around. Everybody's taking pictures going, dude, look. You see? You look on the bottom and you see? And now he's looking at it for the first time going, what the f***? <laughs> and D. Snyder goes, AJ, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm really... I'm really looking at it for the first time, and I gotta be honest, it doesn't even look like it's breathing fire. It looks like it's just shooting a big load all over your back. And he goes, shut up, f*** you, come on, let's go, let's go on stage, we gotta rock, it's time to rock, let's go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my shirt on, and he puts his shirt on, and he goes on stage, and he's playing, but he knows what he saw. And the next day, he calls back to the tattoo place in New York, it's in Staten Island, and he goes, hey, I don't appreciate, you think it's funny, you know? Putting big dicks on people, you think that's funny? And this is what he hears from the tattoo shop. Um, we had a lot of problems with that guy. Um, we got a lot of complaints that um, he was putting dicks on everybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we actually, we sat him down. We sat him down. We said, hey, hey, hey be honest. Uh, be honest. Are you are you, uh, you putting dicks on people? What are, you, what are you doing? You doing this on purpose? And he said, can I make a phone call? And we said, go ahead. And he fled. He, and this is my favorite part of the story. He, he left a trail of dicks everywhere. We haven't seen him. But uh, listen, we'll make it up. You know, we'll cover it up. You know, next time you come back, I mean, that's that's a big dick on you. You know, but we'll cover up that dick. You know, and we'll, well, you know, no charge. You know, and so the next day, he has to go back to his band for the next festival show. He walks into the dressing room. The whole band, Twisted Sister, is staring at him, and he walks in and looks at everyone. And goes. I got a big dick on my back. And they go, dude, we thought you were friends with that guy. He goes, I love that guy. I used to party with him. He did a couple of my tattoos. We were boys. We used to hang. And someone goes, a couple of your tattoos? And he goes, yeah. I thought he just did the dragon. No, he did the dragon and then um, uh, on my leg. He did the Jesus on my... And everyone's looking at him. He gets up, undoes his pants pulls his pants down they're all looking at his tattoo of jesus and he goes oh man no idea he'd been walking around for years with a tattoo of jesus with a boner he had no idea and aj is uh sadly lost his life he a few years away, ago man. he passed away he's in heaven now yeah
where he's got a lot of explaining to do. I just love the fact that the tattoo artist had a fetish for putting dicks. Put a dicks. Yeah. It's like you know the Iron Maiden albums. That guy always put yeah, his yeah. little signature, yeah, a and this guy's <laughs> signature was, <laughs> was a dick, dick on everybody. And if it was a big tattoo, he put a big dick on you. Like, <laughs> oh, I love stories. So we have to announce that um, uh, for the for the cruise. Yes, you'll be telling stories on the cruise. Are you yeah, doing your one man show. One man show. Yeah. And we just confirmed today. I am joining the cruise. I'm performing. We're very super excited about it. On we the talked cruise. about it for a while. Finally, we're able to figure it out and work it out. And who else is doing it? Comedian wise, oh, I, Brad Joe, Williams. Brad Williams is doing it. Yep. He's hilarious. Uh, Ron Funches. Ron Funches is doing it. Those are three guys. I'm bringing a, a comedian friend of mine uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, to do some time on my show named Brian Bowden, who's the biggest wrestling fan, one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. He's doing it. Um, I know Lawler's going to be there. The, the list is, is expansive. I mean, yeah. Phil, <laughs> Phil Campbell and the Bastard Son. Oh, that's right. Playing. Yeah, Fozzie's playing. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, Jim Ross. Jerry Lawler, Ray Mysterio, Raven, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, Chris com to find out all the people that are on it. It's it's going to be an amazing. So, but you you have experience doing cruises. You've done. I actually, and I don't know if I ever told you this, and I promise I don't. Um, I, I I almost feel bad saying this. Like you think I'm going to like do something on the cruise. I, I'm expecting you to. Okay, I hope so. because you know Kiss fans got mad at me. For what I did on the what did you do? I went on, I met a girl. You've done the Kiss Cruise many times. I've done the Kiss Cruise three times now. And on one of the cruises, I met this girl who is the cruise director. She's really upbeat. She's really peppy. She's the Julie McCoy okay, of yeah, the yeah. of the Kiss Cruise. And when I meet her, she goes, "Oh my God, you're the you're the comedian. You're the you're the you're the guy from the Family Guy and the oh my God, oh hey would." Do you want to do a funny announcement on this ship tomorrow morning? And I was like, "Oh, fuck yes! Is, is everybody going to hear it?" And she goes, "Yeah, it gets piped into every cabin." <laughs> Have you ever been on a cruise? cruise? Yeah, and we did the Kiss Cruise. Okay, that's where I got the idea for this. So they do announcements throughout the day, and the announcements get piped into every cabin. And the next morning, everyone on the Kiss Cruise woke up to Bing Bong. Hey, everybody! This is Paul Stanley. And this is Gene Simmons from KISS. <laughs> and we have a very important announcement. Do not panic, but we have a very important announcement about the KISS cruise. It seems that the KISS cruise has just hit an iceberg. Now, keep in mind, when I said we've hit an iceberg, we're in the middle of the f Bahamas when I said that. Right. But do not panic because KISS is going to take care of everybody. We actually have three packages to get you off the cruise okay first we have the platinum package which is five thousand dollars which is we put you in a life raft and you have your own private photos taken with kiss then we have the diamond package isn't that right paul that's right the diamond package for ten thousand dollars where we throw you in the ocean with tommy and eric and then Kiss floats by on a raft, and we do a private acoustic show in the ocean. Everything I said was stupid, but apparently two or three of the passengers on the ship got mad and actually went to the employees and said, is Kiss really going to charge us to get off this boat? <laughs> in all my years of... Uh, have you, by the way, here's a question I wanted to ask you. In all your years oh. as a fan meeting people and then making a name for yourself, is there anyone that you don't even want to say... 
I've actually met you before because it was such an unpleasant experience when you met them as a fan before you succeeded. Now, obviously, you have an example. But, uh, let me try and think it, but you tell me yours. Um, well, <laughs> actually, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm afraid to say this, but I will be honest with you because the first one that comes to mind is Gene Simmons. And I hate to say this, but I met him as a fan. Howard Stern tried to get me to say this to his face. Because I told Howard the story off the air. And the first time Gene showed up to confront me, Howard said, tell him that story. Tell him that story about the about what how he treated you when you were a fan. And I go, ah, yeah. And we get back on the air and he goes, hey, Gene, Craig uh, wants to tell you something. <laughs> and, I, and it's, you know, I'm really new to everything at that time. So I'm kind of scared. Were you like a regular on Howard Stern? Yeah, I was years. sitting next to Howard and I've been working for him at that point. I started... Uh, becoming a regular in 1995, I started writing for the show in 98, and I started sitting next to Howard in 2001, and it was probably mid to late 2001 when Gene came in. Gotcha. So I'm I'm pretty new as an in studio guy, yeah. and and I also I'm, I'm I'm intimidated by this by fame at that time. You know, I'm intimidated by by somebody's name and by their presence and. Plus, you're a fan. Too. And I'm a fan. Exactly. So I've learned to not take it too seriously now but um the experience i had was uh gene when i was living here in seattle gene came into our radio station to promote the kiss convention tour do you remember that when they went out yeah, and yeah, did? yeah of course yeah. and it was an all-day convention where they brought out all the original costumes and and did uh q a's uh and did fan requests uh concerts and i did a thing with gene that he loved. It was a silly, funny thing that I did in studio with Gene. And I'd heard from people over the years, oh, Gene loved that thing. And he's actually wanted to get a copy of it. So I called Doc McGee and said, hey, my name is Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I did a thing with Gene years ago where I called in as Sam Kinison, calling in live from hell to tell Gene about all the Kiss tribute bands that are performing in hell. It was a really, it was a really... <laughs> In fact, it, the, the whole premise took off because Gene got really playful with it. And I said, hey, Gene, it's, it's Sam Kennison. I'm down here in hell. And I just want you to know there's a lot of Kiss tribute bands. And, and Gene goes, well, let me guess. Does the devil play me on bass? And I said, uh, no, actually, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer plays you. And uh, when he spits up the blood and he, and he pulls the tongue out, it falls out of his mouth. And you go, oh, my God, that's not his tongue. Oh! <laughs> Oh! <laughs> and it, whatever. It was this crazy, silly idea. And um, so Doc McGee says to me um, over the phone, he says, oh, we love stand-up comedians. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell Gene that you're coming. Um, your name will be at, on, at the box office. And I go, and there's tickets and after show passes. And after the show... They put on this amazing concert, and after the show, we go backstage, and I see Gene standing outside of a dressing room, and he's surrounded by a bunch of fans. And I wait my turn, and then I finally, uh, <clears throat> Gene, hey, um, and granted, I I know my part in this. Now, in hindsight, hey, um, Gene, I don't know if you remember, um, do you remember years ago when you were on, uh, at a radio station in Seattle, and you talked to Sam Kinison live from hell, and he goes, 
was that you? And I said, it was. And I heard you wanted a copy of it. So here's a cassette. Um, so side one is uh, the thing that we did. And he's looking at the cassette while I go. Um, and then I put some other stuff on there of some comedy pieces I did with uh, Dennis Leary um, and uh, Pauly Shore. And then the flip side has some Howard Stern stuff on there because um, I, I work for Howard Stern. And he goes, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing with all of this information you're giving me right now <laughs> and someone behind me a kiss fan said yeah gene tell him he's a f and i go <laughs> i go well i i just well enjoy the tape and i just i just walked away i didn't know i'm getting i'm, I'm getting teased by my one of my heroes so i just i just left what you know supposed to do with all this information <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, over the years, some of my favorite stories is hearing about Gene. There's a buddy of mine who works in merchandising. He has a great story about running into Gene Simmons at a party in Beverly Hills or some big Hollywood party where Gene is there. And, and my buddy has the balls to walk up after a couple beers and say, Gene, hey, I just want to tell you, my name's Sean. I work for you know this big merchandising company. And I want to tell you, you're the reason I got in the business. He said, Gene just stares at him. And he thought, you know what? I've been waiting my whole life for this. I dressed up like you every year for Halloween. <laughs> I bought all your dolls. I bought... He tells him every, he gets everything off his yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah. Gene is staring at him and then staring at his wife, staring at him, staring at his wife. And then finally goes, great, great. Are you done? Right. Now, who's your sister? <laughs> I love hearing stories like that. In fact, I just, I, I got a new one recently. Uh, Kiss headlined the Open Air Festival last year in, um, Chicago. in Chicago. And I went to the show. Again, Doc arranged for security to bring me into the production office. And Doc gives me some laminates. And uh, I see Gene walking by. And I don't... I don't know why, but now when I see Gene, I kind of duck out. I don't, because uh, I don't, I really don't want to bother him. And maybe I am still a little afraid of him, but I start to move my head back and he, he caught me. He caught a glimpse of me and went, uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. And he starts walking towards me and he goes, so why are you here? Are you performing or what are you doing? And I said, no, I, you know what? Um... A lot of the bands that are here this weekend are actually big supporters of mine. A lot of the guys that are performing this weekend come out to my shows all the time. And I didn't have any shows this weekend, and I thought, you know what? F*** it. So I bought a plane ticket, and he goes, so you flew, right? You flew? Good. All right, great. And he walked away like my seven-second response to his question was going way too long. That <laughs> he goes, so you flew? You flew. Good for you. I'll see you later. And he just walked away. Like, he just wanted yes or no answers. <laughs> right, right, he right. didn't want any he explanation. No yeah. And you know what? I got to be honest. On some level, I understand where he's coming from in terms of being... Having spent a lot of time around Howard Stern, having spent a lot of time now around a lot of uh, famous people... I do see that there is a big part of people's days that are spent with everybody wanting to tell you yeah. their life story. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I get how that can be grating. And so much so that whenever I hear someone now say, oh, you know what? I met that guy and he's an asshole. I always 
give benefit of the doubt. Cause... Well, yeah, you have to because now you have some celebrity, and you know sometimes people approach you at inopportune times or tell you like you know they'll team up too much information. Like we do VIPs all the time, and today a guy gave me a big long speech, and I get it. It's his chance. Yeah. Yep. But you know it's the same reason why Ringo Starr refuses to take pictures. Right. Because there's no such thing as a quick picture. Can right. I take a quick picture. He'd be walking from person to person, picture, picture, picture. You know, so I can kind of get it, but yeah. still from a fan standpoint, because we're fans too, yeah. you want to tell people what you think of them. For you, what is the most inopportune time that someone has said, oh man, can I tell you something? I, I think probably uh, anytime you're in the bathroom. I was going to say. Yeah, that's the, the one. I mean, can I shake your hand? I'm like, dude, I'm, the <laughs> I'm peeing right now. Are you serious? You, you might want to think that through. I, I can meet you right outside in 30 <laughs> seconds and we can do can it. Fist bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a guy tow my car. Um, I uh, I didn't realize I was parked in a illegal spot. And um, I uh, called the towing company, and they said, "Yeah, we got the car here." And I went to the towing the, to the pound, and they said, "We're taking the car back to the airport." And I said, "No, I, I, I'm here. It's my car. I ha the contract's in the car." And they said, "Well, the, apparently the law was that if you uh, tow a rental car, it just it automatically needs to go back to the airport. You, oh, you don't even let the renter to, to the location. get the location yeah. where it was rented from. You don't even give it back to the person who rented." Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, wait, can I can I get in the car and just, like, I know you have to take the car, but can I just get my stuff out of it? Because my, my belongings are in there and my passport's in there. Can I just get, and they said, well, you can ask the driver. He's outside. He's, he's in the yard right now. So I walk out along the fence and I see the, the driver of the tow truck and I go, sir. Sir, I, I, um, I go, that's my car. And he goes, not anymore. And I go... I go, I respect that. I totally respect that. I just have some items in the back. Can I get my items out of the back? And he goes, nope. He goes, it's my car. I own this car now. And I go, sir, but I just want to get some items. Can I just get some items? And he's he's just being an asshole to me. And in a sad attempt to throw a Hail Mary, I said, sir, are you a Howard Stern fan by chance? And he said, I listen every day. And I go, okay. Okay, okay, this is good. I am in town to do a Howard Stern event. I'm performing with other guys from the Howard Stern show and we're performing tonight. If you just let me get my stuff out of the car, I'll give you tickets to the show tonight. And he said, are you Craig Gass? And I go, I... <laughs> yes, I am. And he goes, all right, he goes, hang on, hang on. And I go, oh, thank you so much, thank you so much. And he, he gets the car, they open the gate, the tow truck comes out, and I go into the cab of the truck, and I go, hey, man, th listen, man, I know you got to do your job. No, I, I respect that, man. I just need to get my stuff. And he goes, man, I... Uh... I love your impressions, man. I go, oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to get my toothpaste and, and get my toothbrush out of the back. And he goes, hey, uh, you know what my favorite impression is that you do? Is uh, I... Your Al Pacino is spotless. And I go, oh, right on. And he goes, can I... Uh... And I go... You want me to do it right now? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm doing Al Pacino for the guy. And I'm saying, like, <laughs> boy, if I could just get in the trunk and get the f out of here, I'd be really happy. Hoo -ah. And then he goes, uh, he goes, oh, man. Oh, man. Did you, uh, this is the tow truck driver talking. He goes, have you ever seen, um, you ever seen Devil's Advocate? And I go, oh, of course. It's a great movie. And he goes, you know the speech at the end? And I go, oh, my God, of course. And he goes, okay. And I go, do that one. Uh, you, want me, you want me to do the speech? And he goes, yeah. And I go, can I get my toothbrush? I just want to get my toothbrush. And my pet, like, he's now making you're me pissed off. Yeah, he's making me act out scenes 
from his favorite movies by 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 <laughs> in movies that I wasn't even in. He wants me to recreate the voices of the people. Yeah, that I uh, one time when we had WrestleMania in Miami, and I drove there from Tampa, and there's a, a kind of a crossway across the Florida state. I think it's called like. <laughs> Tin Pan Alley or something like that or Gasoline Alley or whatever but there is no gas it's like a, a barren stretch of like 100 miles and of course oh, yeah. I ran out of gas about 20 miles away from the station so I call the tow truck or I call the gas station they send the guy for me guy picks me up and he's like uh, uh, hey um, where are you going um, I'm going to Miami oh yeah oh my god are you Chris Jericho yeah yeah are you going to Miami for WrestleMania yeah I'm going to WrestleMania so I just love the story that he's probably telling his friends. Like, yeah, he had to give Jericho, the idiot, a ride while he's going to WrestleMania at WrestleMania. So that was one of those. Yeah. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I got to deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses, like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tell me a little bit more about working for Howard Stern. It sounds like you're pretty ensconced in there. And like, obviously, so many people are coming through that show of some of the biggest and some of the most ridiculous. Uh, What are some of your highlights from working there? Uh, Meeting my heroes. Uh, Meeting the rock guys that would come in. And and also, there was, I got to say, there was some stuff that you would see off the air that I would just go, wow, this is crazy. Uh, Howard was always the same on the air as he was off the air. But I, for some reason, and this is so random, Fabio, uh, Fabio, 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 <laughs> Fabio, yeah. Fabio is in the studio. And when he comes in, you know, it's kind of like you, uh, he's such a uh, almost caricature of that handsome swashbuckling, like, you know, the cover of the Harlequin novels and stuff like that. You know, he's just really in shape guy handsome guy with big long flowing hair he's impossibly hair. good looking he's impossibly good looking and when he comes in there's the obvious uh it was it was the angle that Howard used to like to take with everybody before he got into therapy which was come on tell me i mean you got what's it like i mean yeah, come yeah. on tell tell me what it's like about man the what chicks, yeah. tell me about the girls and fabio is clearly being dishonest with us he's like oh, i don't get laid at all and he's like what? Fabio, are you kidding me? He goes, no, you'd be surprised. People think, you know, but I don't. Uh, I'm really like, come on. No. And girls are calling in and saying, I met Fabio a few weeks ago in Central Park, and he brought me up to his apartment, or I brought him to my apartment. 
And we're like, really? so did you hook up with this girl? And Fabi goes, no, no. And I'm like, what, what are you talking? Wait, the girl invites you, says you meet her five minutes later, you're in her apartment, and then nothing happens, and we, we can't believe it. We get off the air, and then he lets it rip. And he goes, and I remember one story was, he's got an assistant with him, and he goes, I remember I had this girl, I uh, had my face in her uh, ass, <laughs> and I said, uh, you want some? He said, yeah. I said, psych. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the stories were so weird. He was an animal off the air, a complete mm. animal off the air, but on the air, he wouldn't even budge with what seemed to be the most obvious story. Right, right. Like, women must be throwing themselves at you. That was the Howard thing, though. I'd always, always want to talk about the women that you've had. Yeah, and there's uh, there's an, interest, an intricacy there that through therapy, he goes to therapy four days a week, and which he's, he's kept that pace for over 15 years. Wow. And you'll notice now he'll go, he'll still ask, so, hey, man, at the, you know, when you first start getting into this thing, I mean, what is it like? How easy is it to get girls? He'll always follow it up with. But have you noticed that, like, you really don't need that much sex? Have you ever thought about it? Like, really, how much sex do you need in life? Like, and how much time you waste trying to meet women uh, and not being creative? And and that's therapy. You know, you, you hear that therapy coming through. But it was weird to see... Um, Sometimes I'd be around him and it would uh, kind of catch me off guard sometimes when somebody would meet him and just completely freak out. And it would dawn on me again, like, wow, this guy is famous. This guy is really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really famous. It's crazy being around mega famous people. But Howard was responsible for everything for me. He was he was, was responsible for me uh, getting on all the TV shows, everything I did besides Family Guy. I got on King of Queens because the head writer for King of Queens was a huge fan of mine from the Howard Stern show. I got on Sex in the City because the girls uh, who were the casting directors at Sex in the City heard me telling a story about a relationship I just gotten out of that I was really hurt over. And they said, we think you would play a really good insecure guy on Sex in the City. Um, a lot of the roles I got were because people were, were fans of the show. Yeah. But I have, to, I have to circle back around because I hear people, I hear comedians do stuff on stage and I go, oh man, is that true? I got to ask about that. And you did a few things that I have to follow up on. Sure. One that was genius, absolutely genius. And if I remember correctly, it was that when professional wrestling would come to Winnipeg, you would, uh, you knew where the wrestlers would stay. You would go with your buddy, but a lot of other people would go as well. Other people, it wasn't something as special as you hoped it would be to get a photo with your favorite wrestler. So you and your buddy devised a plan on how to make the photos a little more special. And <laughs> I've never thought of this before, but you tried to make it look more casual. Well, it, it wasn't quite that. It's that you're, you, Some of the guys are hard to get pictures with because they were rude. You know, because they're the big guys and they don't yeah. want to be bugged by little kids. You know, typically what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So my friend Wallace and I would would stand, Greg Wallace, also known as Wallace, uh, would stand next to the wall and then I would hold the camera. And then when a guy walked by, I would shout his name, one man gang. And the guy would look and Wallace was already standing there. So I'd get him right in the frame and the guy would look and I'd take the picture. <laughs> and it looked so like they were together. It looked like they were together. <laughs> and mine were always 
great. I had it down pat, and his always sucked. Like the guy would be off the frame, or there'd be a blur, or he wouldn't get in time, which actually led to a fist fight that we had in college in front of the lockers when we went because this is back in the day. You don't take normal pictures and look. You got to take it and get it developed, right? Yeah. So we went and got it developed, and we came back, and I got him. I got him. I got him for the last wrestling show. And we had like you know twenty four pictures, twelve for him, twelve for me, and eleven out of his turned out, and none of mine turned out. And I pushed him, and we started getting into a fist fight, and I actually tried to rip his up. And all this other stuff, but because <laughs> your okay. feelings were hurt, honky tonk man, it was worked perfectly. And I actually have a great picture that my friend Ribo and I uh, did when Iron Maiden did the Caught Somewhere in Time tour in 2008. They played one show in the forum, and I got a picture of Lars talking to Steve Harris, oh the two God. architects of my favorite two metal, metal bands, bands of all time, talking. And in the background, me and Ribo are just standing there. And we got Eli Roth, who's a good director friend of mine, who went with us. He took the picture of me, Ribo, Lars, and Steve. As Lars and Steve were talking, I had no idea that we were in the shot. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is like the Kenny. So I go to Slayer Megadeth, and um, there's uh, uh, they leave me passes for the show. Um, right. The guys in Slayer and Megadeth, believe it or not, are big comedy fans. They always come out to comedy shows. So when I get to the box office, there is four tickets and four all-access passes in the envelope for Slayer and Megadeth. I look at my buddies and I go, dude, I want to, we got to go back. I want to see devil shit. Like whatever devil worshippers. I want to, like, I just have a thing in my head of what it must look like backstage right. at a Slayer concert. So we immediately go right in the backstage area. And security's letting us go anywhere we want. And we're walking through this loading dock, and there's a lot of equipment and gear being moved around. When a guy stops me and says, Craig, you're a, a comedian? Craig? Okay, I, I just want to say hi. I, I love all your stuff. My name's Kenny. I didn't want to bother you. And I go, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Kenny. And I stopped and I went, are you Kenny G? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what the fuck are you doing at a Slayer concert? And that's when I find out this whole thing. Yeah. And right at that moment, a Slayer fan, a hardcore Slayer denim jacket patches of, like, just angry, like, logos, comes over to Kenny G and goes, fuck yeah, Slayer, what's up, Kenny G? And he starts, you know, I don't, I'm not even doing that voice right. It sounds like, ooh. That's the way all Slayer fans yeah, sound like. They're always, ooh, I'm the devil. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why mine sounds like the cookie monster. Cookie. <laughs> it's close. Ooh, Kenny G, I want to f*** your cookies. All right, whatever. You kind of went to Yoda to yeah. that one. <laughs> no, all right, whatever. I'll work on that. But the point is, while Satan is on top of uh, Kenny G and pestering him, I look over at my buddy and I go, dude, that's Kenny G. Take, take a picture, but make it look natural. That, that's Kenny G. Just said hi to me, but make it look natural. Hold on. Hey, Kenny. Hey, buddy. What were you saying about... Uh, and I try to do this, like, oh, just super Big casual. Smile, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm just me, super casual, Kenny G. And all I see is my buddy with the camera phone going, where do I push? <laughs> it, it's so frustrating yeah. to hear that time and time again from people. Where do I push the button? Maybe, but if you got it down to a science, like I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with my cousin Chad. And me and my cousin have been doing this for years. My, my cousin Chad's Still? Snuck, oh, yeah. He stuck backstage. He, he made a poison laminate at 14 <laughs> that got him into Brett Michaels' dressing room. And Brett's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, just looking for a drink. He's like, what are you looking for a drink? How old are you? Let me see that lineman. It's one-sided. Get out of here. So No um, shit. So we uh, were at the Rock and Roll Fame, and Springsteen's there. And I was talking to Springsteen 
for like the most awkward of conversations for like 12 seconds, just trying to get some FaceTime with Springsteen. Like, I should have asked him, asked him for a picture. So yeah. I go back and there's a guy in a suit, uh, very sternly telling me that, that Bruce is not taking any pictures. I'm like, okay, isn't he? Cool. Uh, so he's standing there and I go, Chad, you know what to do? Here's the camera. We're going to have one second. Let's get it right. So I walk past Bruce and then he's walking. And then I turn around to walk like, Oh my gosh, I just happened to walk into Bruce. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Look over here. And he looks, and Chad's got the great picture of like, I just stop and look, look. And he looks, picture, and it's done. And I just go the other Perfect. way. Perfect. And we got, I got a great shot with Springsteen that he had no idea he was getting roped into. Oh, that it's, is good. You got to have it down to a science, though. Well, my almost uh, complete loss of Kenny G turned into one of the greatest pictures of all time because I'm looking at my buddy, waiting for him to get the shot. He can't get the shot. I'm trying to keep Kenny G pacified with an empty conversation when Dave Mustaine walks by with Dave Ellison. I think there's one other guy from Megadeth, but there's a group of people with them. They stop right behind me, and I hear Dave Mustaine go, are you guys leaving? All right. You want to say a prayer? All right, let's do this. And they formed a Megadeth prayer circle behind me and Kenny G, and I'm looking at my friend going, take the in picture take the picture and he got it and it's on my facebook page if you go to facebook.com slash i love gas with two s's i love gas with two s's go to my profile pictures you will see a picture of me talking to kenny g while megadeth is in a prayer circle behind us that will never happen again in humankind i admire that by the way there was another story you told about uh, that, and I didn't know this wrestler, because this was after my time of being like super crazy, gobbling up everything about wrestling. There apparently was a wrestler that was portrayed as being almost animal-like. He grew up in yeah. the jungle, uh, right? Yeah, Samo wild Samoan. Wild Samoan, yeah. grew up amongst animals kind of kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, I grew up on the islands, you know, where there was no civilization. And incidentally, he's the father of one of the biggest stars in the WWE right now called Roman Reigns. Okay. Yeah. And so he was off of the wild Samoan. Okay. Didn't, couldn't speak, right? Could, couldn't speak English. He was couldn't from speak the English. islands, man. He's he from, had okay. a manager would say, yeah, off of the wild Samoan, very crazy, you know, <laughs> eating raw fish. And, and you buy this story, hook, line, you're, you're in. You're in with this. There you're, was no internet back then. There was yeah. no, uh, you know, <laughs> magazines to tell you otherwise. He was from the island. They roped him in and Stole them away from his island home. You're buying what Brought they're selling. Brought straight to Winnipeg. You're buying what they're selling. A thousand percent. And you run into the guy in the hotel. Well, I'm waiting in the hotel for the, for the wrestlers <laughs> to come in. And um, he, he was off of the wild Samoan. Or it might have been Sika, one of the two. I can't remember which one. Either way. Um, and I have an autograph uh, book. And I'm like, Sika, please, you sign... <laughs> Sign book. You're starting to talk to him like yeah. he's a moron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sign. You, 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 sign. Book, you, pen, sign. And he looks at me and he goes, off, kid. <laughs> and I was not mad that he told me to F off. I just couldn't believe he could speak English. That is the way you told the story on stage that yes. he says, off and you went what yeah what oh my god it's like i said like just it's like seeing the loch ness monster pop his head up and anyone else see that uh and that my friend is what i was gonna tell you 
um, when you asked me earlier, is there someone that you met and never wanted to tell them that you had met them before? When I actually did meet Alpha and Seeker, I think I did a benefit show for them at one point. I was like, should I tell him the story? Uh, the problem, I won't tell it. You know, he's really nice now, but I didn't want to tell him that I first met him when he told me to fuck off, kid. And he did, and so you never. T- I, I, and, I, but now you're telling the story on stage. Well, yeah, it's a great story, but I still I feel bad. I don't I don't want to make him feel bad because he's a really super nice guy. But you know, it's, it's like you said, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> that is awesome. Well, that's when you're a kid. You know, you don't. You we didn't know. Of course, you didn't know any better. Of course, you have theories about what it must be like. Yeah. To live that life, I. There, uh, there's still certain songs that will come on that will take me right back to, holy shit! I used to dream about traveling the world. I used to dream about. I didn't quite work out the way I had fantasized because I never even tried to learn an instrument. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I wanted to just travel the world with 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 my favorite metal bands, and I wanted to like. Uh, and I think I'm in a much. It turns out that I'm in a much cooler position because I don't know that if I was in a band that I could have as many friends in other bands because there's a competition thing going on. But mm-hmm. comedians, everyone likes having comedians around. So comedians... Well, yeah, especially guys that are that are open to, you know, the, 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 the rock and roll comedians, so to speak. Yeah, you know? yeah. What, what, what made you decide you wanted to be a comedian? It was uh, being... It was actually being teased. I had a horrible experience. I went to an open mic... I didn't even want to be a comedian. I just... Uh, it was the horrible experience. Oh, man. I went to an open mic when I was 20 years old in Tucson, Arizona at a club called Laughs Comedy Club. And um, after being told most of my adult life at that point that, man, you're so funny, you should be a comedian, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for open mic. So I sign up for open mic, and then I go and uh, uh, I bring 30 of my friends out. I had no idea that comedians prepared material because it looks like... Guys walk up oh, and they just wow. and they just go, they just, "Hey," and I and I go, oh, "I can do that." Just, "Hey, right. what's going on?" and just start being funny. And uh, they said, "Oh, if this is your first time, you get three minutes." And I remember thinking, "What can I do in three? Give me twenty, right?" Like, and no idea when I got on stage how bright the lights were. No idea how how loud the microphone was. Had never felt this intensity of people just staring like. Yeah. What do you got? And I got really nervous. I made one comment about how scared I was. And then I stopped and said, I can't do this. And I <laughs> and I walked off stage and my hands were shaking so bad. I couldn't even put the mic back in the stand because I was I couldn't get my hands steady enough. And the MC made a cute joke, a joke that that absolutely was a solid joke. The MC went back up on stage and said, hey, all right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to catch the rest of Craig Zach, come back to the 9 o'clock show. He's going to finish the rest of his set at 9 o'clock. And then I sat down in the audience and watched, um, and granted, these are open micers. These are not professional comedians. But I watched comedian after comedian after comedian tear into me in a way that was really unnecessary. And, oh, wow. Uh, hey, where's that guy who bombed? Was that you? Was that you that, dude, oh. why are you here? Like, that really sucked. Oh. And it wasn't even, they weren't making jokes about it. At one point, a comedian tried to do some jokes about something where he said, hey, you guys ever whatever. And somebody at my table, a friend said, 
yeah, he yelled out like a response. And the comedian on stage said, oh, now you're going to talk, Mr. Unfunny Guy on the microphone? Now you're going to talk? And I went, dude, it's not even me. It's my friend. (laughs) And that crushed me to in front of hard to come back from dude for the next three years not being able to professionally do what has always come naturally to me to actually go on stage and just say i can't do this haunted me i would go to weddings for the next few years where i would stand up and go um i want to say something uh I've known you guys and I love you guys and I just want to say a couple words and someone in the back of the room would go, I can't do this. And I go, who said that? Who said that? What? Like my friends were taunting me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was evil. And uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful human being in Tucson, a rock DJ. Um, I used to manage bands when I was a kid from the time I was 15 till I was 23. And one of these metal bands that I managed called Treachery, the local band, uh, we came in. They had a local metal hour every Sunday night, Concerto for the Deaf. And they would let us bring in local bands could come in and play their music. And I brought this band in. And as soon as the on-air light came on, the band got, got super quiet. And I started yelling and screaming and doing random voices. And this DJ said, how many impressions can you do? And I go... I don't know. I never, never counted. And he said, "Hey, if I put you in this booth over here, will you record some of your impressions for me?" And I go, "Sure, man." And he said, "All right. Just at the end of every impression you do, just say you're listening to KLPX or uh, 96.1 KLPX." And I said, "All right." So I recorded a bunch of voices. What did you do? Uh, I I was in the studio for an hour talking to myself, and um, I can't remember all the voices. But a week later, he called me and said, uh, "Hey, what are you doing?" I was living with my mom. I'm twenty. One, 22 years old and he goes uh, what are you doing I go oh I'm just hanging out watching TV and he goes uh, hey uh, hang on a second I want to play you something and I go alright and I hear a produced version of me going hey this is Sam Kinison and I came back from the dead to tell you that every other station in this town sucks dick 96.1 KLPX oh <laughs> and I listened and I went oh my god dude is that was that on the air? And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh, man, I could have taped that. Why didn't you tell me that? He goes, hold on. Wait, I, w- I want you to hear something. Hold on. KLPX. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, how'd you, was that Sam, didn't Sam Kinison die? <laughs> yeah, that's actually my buddy Craig Gass. He's uh, on the phone. You want to talk to him? Hey, man, dude, that's a great impression. Oh, thank you, man. KLPX. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I know you just played Sam Kinison, but how did you do that? And he's like, oh, it's my friend Craig Gass. And talk to him right now he's on the phone because i already told my friend dc he was like how come you're not doing comedy and i go because i suck yeah because they all made fun of me and so uh he he lets me listen to this reaction of strangers and says uh hey man uh i don't know what you think you're gonna do with your life but i gotta tell you something when if i play a song if i get uh three phone calls about a song that's a that's a hit record. And every time I play one of your impressions that you recorded for me, I always get at least a few phone calls. And dude, you are missing your calling in life. You should be a comedian. And I was like, yeah, but it didn't. I, I, it really sucked. And he and and this is really embarrassing to say in front of you, because I, I consider you the epitome of confidence. And uh, <laughs> he said, when you go go back to open mic. And before you go on stage, you need to say to yourself, I'm funny. 
and I belong here. And I literally said that every night before I went on stage. Like all the other kids, I'd go, I'm funny, and I belong here. And I would actually say that before I walked on stage. That dumb little mantra. It's like Stuart Smalley. It was! People like me. People like me, but it gave me the confidence I needed to say, you know what, f*** these people. And this crazy thing happened that it was like, holy shit, this is easy. Stand-up comedy is really easy. And then once I figured that out, it was like, you know what? F*** all these guys that have been teasing me. And I, I went really hard at those other guys. And then I moved up here to Seattle. And I had a bad chip on my shoulder. I didn't care about making it in comedy. I wanted to get under the skin of any comedian who reminded me of those bullies from that night at that open mic and I wanted revenge and I would go on stage and and tell the audiences um hey man we let's have a comedy competition tonight you guys want to have a comedy competition tonight let's hey man here's what we should do I don't care who the funniest guy in the room is that guy is doing his job let's have a comedy competition where the audience gets to decide who the least funniest guy in the room is, and the audience gets to take him outside and beat his ass. Let's do that. <laughs> and the crowd would get playful with it, and the next comedian that would start to tank, the audience would go, ooh, like, you know. <laughs> and it was it was fun, but I yeah. noticed that all the guys who were, like, those bully kind of guys were the ones who usually hated that. I somehow managed to, like, just touch the right people I wanted yeah. to touch, and two people got involved in my life. George Carlin, who became my mentor. Oh, really? And Howard Stern, who gave me, uh, who started having me on his show. Yeah, George Carlin was, uh, um, wow. George Carlin flew me to Los Angeles. Um, I met him at a show down the road here in Tacoma at a place called the Temple Theater. His opening act, Dennis Blair, introduced me to him. And George and I had a, a friendship that lasted up until the time he died. No kidding. And yeah, and he always offered to help me with my career. And all I wanted was life advice. And so it just, uh, plus when I met him, I'd only been doing comedy for six months. So I don't think it was really anything to help me with. I needed to kind of figure my mm -hmm. own thing out. But I would always come to him with, with life advice and just. What kind of advice did he give you that you remember? I knew you were going to ask that question because I have the <laughs> dumbest. So I lived with Mitch Hedberg, right? And Mitch, really? Yeah, kidding. Mitch he was, was funny. Man. Mitch was my roommate in New York. Mitch comes home one night from performing at Dangerfields, and he goes, "Man, I just did a set at Dangerfields," and I was like, "How is that club?" He goes, "I think it's run by the mob," and that made me. And as stupid as this sounds, that shot fear through my body because, and I don't know where this comes from. I don't know where this comes from. I have, I've always had this fear that if you get too successful, that there's some evil element out there that's going to come into your life, like the mob, and say, you work for us now. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why. And so I called George that night, and I said, hey, George, it's Craig Gass. Um, call me when you get this. I got... It's a really dumb question, but it's really important to me. Just call me. And he called me right back. And he said, hey, what's going on? And I said, um, so Mitch performed it. He said he thinks it's run by the mob. And um, I've always had this fear. And I, I gave him the whole backstory. And I said, so I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, does the mafia run the entertainment business? <laughs> and there was a long pause. And he goes, not that I know of. But I'll tell you a great story. 
And he told me the story that when he was my age at the time, he was working in uh, in the village a lot in New York. And he said there was these two guys who were brothers who would always offer me money. And they'd say, George, you should let us manage you. We, we can help you with your career. And they were nice, but you know, they were a little pushy. And then finally, one night, they said, uh, George, let's go to a restaurant. Let's have dinner. Let's sign a contract. And let us take care of you. We'll take care of all your bills. You'll work for us. We'll, you know, we'll take care of whatever you need. And George said, where's the restaurant? And they named the restaurant. And George is a picky eater. And he said, sorry, guys, I don't like Italian. And that's how he got out of it. He said, if they would have picked another restaurant that I liked, I would have gone. <laughs> but I'm such a picky eater. I was like, Ugh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. And he got out of it. He said, decades later, he found out that these two brothers were responsible personally for over 100 murders in New York City. They were mob guys They were like <laughs> killing people, yeah. So yeah, really stupid, really silly, but yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Mitch Edward as we wind down here. I mean, yeah. um, if you haven't heard him, go check out some of his records. And actually a friend that I used to drive with uh, in wrestling, we used to listen to Mitch Hedberg comedy albums. Um, it just almost a very Stephen Wright, dry, one-liner yeah. type of guy, you know. I, I, I bought an ant farm. Those they didn't make no. They didn't grow nothing for me. No carrots, no nothing, or whatever, you know. My favorite was, uh, I hate Pizza Hut, cause Pizza Hut is so cocky. Cause they will take any competitors' coupons. Makes me wish I had my own pizza place. Mitch's Pizza. This week's coupon: unlimited free pizzas. <laughs> Offer not good at any Mitch's Pizza's locations. <laughs> yeah, Mitch was a really uh, heady, uh, really smart uh, mm -hmm. comic who unfortunately died right as everything was starting to rocket mm -hmm. into outer space. Was, he, it a, was it an overdose or something? Yeah, he, yeah. he loved excess. And uh, that night, I remember being at uh, his funeral in Minnesota and... Um, his uh, his widow told me the story that they uh, uh, they they've been going really hard. They were in uh, New York at Caroline's, and then um, they had a couple days off. Uh, Mitch was driving an RV because he got busted in Austin, Texas, uh, with heroin, and almost lost his foot. They wanted to amputate his uh, they wanted to amputate his leg. Hmm. Uh, because he had uh, gangrene, he had gangrene wow. uh, on his leg, and they were going to amputate it right from there. So much heroin from the bad skin gotcha. condition. I guess uh, there was some. I, I don't know. I never got into heroin, gotcha. so I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what <laughs> you know what that what that thing is. But there was he. It was uh, he had rotting. Oof. You know, yeah. and so they wanted to amputate his leg, and then uh, his manager and and somebody else was able to interfere and say, "Listen, we we need a second opinion. Let's get him out of Austin." They took him to Houston, where they were able to save his leg, but they removed part of his foot. Um, and from that point on, Mitch said, "Well, f flying." He started driving an RV so he could continue to get high. Oh. And so they drove the RV uh, after Caroline's. They, they went to Jersey. And uh, um, uh, she said that uh, they got into the room late at night. And uh, they were just going to stay in Jersey for the night before heading to Baltimore. And, and Mitch kept saying, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And so he laid down in bed. 
Lynn is in the bathroom. She's talking to Mitch and telling him some kind of story. And then she finally stopped and said, are you listening to me? And then she walked into the room and she said, Mitch, Mitch. And then she walked over and, you know, that was it. And he was already gone. But so Mitch uh, was a genius. And what's crazy about it, it's weird to me to know to be close to someone who then gets famous. It's even more unusual with Mitch that he continued to get famous after he died. Oh, yeah. And there were people who would say, hey, you ever met my favorite comedian? Uh, you ever met a guy named... And I just have this feeling like they're going to say Mitch. They're going to say Mitch. And they'd say, Mitch Hedberg. And I go, yeah, man, it's really sad what happened. And people go, what would happen? Mm. And it's been like five, six yeah, years yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. And it's like, no, he's he's gone. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. I just found him on YouTube. Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, so that's really really crazy um but um yeah did you ever uh have anybody close to you that was on their way to something and and starting to like there's a lot yeah there's there's the one for me was a guy called art bar he was a wrestler and him in mexico and he was just coming into his own he would have been a huge star in the states and he died right beforehand drugs oh yeah yeah drug overdose so yeah i mean and like and most of other people were already famous at the time but that was the one guy where like he would have been really really big you know really yeah, I mean, there's actually, there's another one I'm a big fan of is a band from up here called Mother Love Bone. Of course, yeah, Andrew, Andrew. Andrew Wood. I mean, of course. right at the cusp of them going to the next level, then he dies, right? So you always kind of hear those type of things, and it is kind of sad, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I, I have some uh, stories about that that we can talk about when we get done here. Um, that uh, long-winded stories, but I can't wait to watch you do that again and watch you go up and tell stories. I almost felt like... I was like, man, this is like, these are movie ideas. Like these you said that, yeah. I was like, these are movie ideas that you're doing, man. This this would make a great, like, story to watch yeah. on film. Well, there's it, nothing better than a good storyteller, and, and you're the same way like that. And it's, it's all timing, too. I, yeah, I love, there's nothing I love more than a good story. I love hearing a good story. I love telling a good story. And that's why those shows on this, on this cruise are going to be really special. I'm really looking forward to... Uh, the insanity of everything and there was a part of me that thought well if they're going to be doing wrestling on the boat what if we're having issues with waves and like uh... well the, i got the idea though because the kiss crew is like they, they they always continue on you know what yeah. i mean like keep playing so the boat is stable and i think they're gonna yeah. have a ring inside and a ring on the deck you know where kiss does the uh kickoff show will be on the deck okay but i think there's gonna be one also downstairs maybe in the theater but we got all the, i actually have a team of engineers come on board the boat to make sure that it could all be, you know, hankered down and battened down all that stuff. So um, last couple of questions. Who is, who is your favorite person you met when you're doing the Stern show? You know, what's interesting is that you meet people sometimes who you might not necessarily be yeah. a huge fan of. And you go, God, that guy was cool as shit. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Great guy. And I only was a co-pilot in teasing him. Howard kept teasing him about having just gotten married. He's now been married to the same woman for over 20 yeah, plus years. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Va Vampire Slayer. But at the time, he's newly married. Right. So we're joking about six months. What do you got? I got nine months. Who's got, how much How much you got on this marriage? And we're joking and joking and joking. And afterwards, I walked up to apologize to him and say, hey man, I, you know, it was all in fun, man. I, you know, thanks for being a good sport. And he goes, dude. I have to tell you a story. I 
was uh, on my way to a really important meeting a few weeks ago. And I was listening to uh, Howard had Christopher Walken in the studio and Christopher Walken was saying really f***ed up shit that I was going, oh my God. Like I, I started to wonder like, I can't believe they're letting this interview go on. He's clearly drunk or something's going on. And I actually sat in my car in the movie studio lot and waited until they went to commercial because I was so fascinated with how out of his mind Christopher Walken was. And a couple weeks later, I'm playing basketball. I have a basketball league that I play with friends and I go, did you guys hear Christopher Walken on the show? And all my friends are like, idiot, that's Craig Gass. And I was like, no. And and I was so humbled by that story. He was so kind. So, I mean, it's kind of a, a shitty story to say who, you know, who really, um, impressed you on the show the guy who said i was awesome you know that's kind of, i'm just realizing that's kind of a <laughs> shitty story but um uh, but he was he was really nice um uh you know th there's been a lot of guys that came in over the year like yeah you just you just meet people that you go man but i don't know freddie prince was just that's i think because we up. teased him so much yeah, yeah. Well, well last question what's your most obscure imitation um you asked me that question the last time I was on with you because apparently you had some good ones with uh, with, uh, with Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Great, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what my favorite, and I don't know if I did this last time. Uh, there's a couple. Uh, one is a guy named Tom Snyder, who is a big late night uh, talk show guy. He's the guy that uh, he he asked Ace Frehley if he played the bass. Yes. And Ace oh, said, you no, I that? play the trout. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's where Paul and Gene are mortified. That's right. So what does Tom Snyder sound like? Tom Snyder, the big key to Tom Snyder, come out of a big laugh right into a question. So it's a big laugh right into yeah. a question. <laughs> Let me ask you something. That's the whole impression. And then there's some impressions that I won't cop to the fact that I suck at them. So I will try to justify them by saying, dude, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like my friends will go, that doesn't sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'll go, that's Dude, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger after a car accident. You're not getting it. That way I can get away with it. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dude, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger after a bad car accident. So I can't do uh, I can't do a Mark Wahlberg impression, but I do something I call out of breath Mark Wahlberg, which is just a constant Guys, are you serious? You better watch out. I gotta go take a piss. I'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> That's the whole impression. <laughs> it's the dumbest, it's the most useless impression of all time. Uh, that and more. <laughs> all that and more. On the Rock and Wrestling Cruise, man. The Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea with the newly announced uh, Craig Gass is gonna be there, and uh, we're very, very excited. You know, you know uh, basically, ipso facto, who you're replacing, right? Yes. We lost Jim Brewer. To Metallica. Because fucking Metallica had to get. I don't care if you have him under contract. He's fucking coming on the road with us. It doesn't matter if you put stupid crews. Dude, how are you going to compete with Metallica? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm coming to the motherland of Chris Jericho. I'm performing. I'm coming back to Winnipeg to do two shows at Nashville's in May. I want to come back and I want to be in Winnipeg when the hockey playoffs are happening so I can I'll be do, around I might be there fans. too. All right, there well, too. there you go. All right, man. We'll, All right. Go, we'll go there and do our matching Lars Ulrich. Let's do it, man. He shoots, he f***ing scores. Never seen anything like it before. Dude, let's f 
weird when you go north of the border? What's up with all this hockey, huh? 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 <laughs> You go, you heard it straight from the man himself. Craig Gass is joining Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea when we set sail October 27th. He's bringing all his comedy, all of his killer impressions Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Al Pacino, Sam Kinison, Eddie Van Halen, so many more. It's going to be a great time. And if you haven't booked your cabin, what are you waiting for, man? For as little as 150 bucks, you can reserve your cabin at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And remember, once you book that cabin, your price includes everything. All the concerts, Craig Gas comedy shows, live podcasts, meet and greets, autograph signings, your food even. All inclusive when you reserve your cabin. You can hang out with everybody. You're going to see everybody hanging around for sure. I'll be there. Craig Gas, uh, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Noel Foley, Ricky Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, the Keeping It 100 crew, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms. Beyond the Darkness will be there telling some scary tales with Tim and Dave. Cole Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing the Unprofessional Wrestling Show. Don Callis and Paul Lazenby doing Kill in the Town live podcast. Brad Williams, Ron Funches, Busted Open Radio is joining the festivities. Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour will be uh, performing. Fozzie will be performing. King uh, King will be there. Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons. The Stir, right from Atlanta, Georgia. The Dave Spivak Project, great acoustic rock and roll from Spiwi. Heard him right here on Talk is Jericho. The Cherry Bombs, the Darlings of Rock and Roll. Shoot to Thrill, the world's best ACDC cover band. And Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy cover band. And of course, the Pièce de Résistance, Ring of Honor, presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happening in the middle of the ocean, and the winner of the Sea of Honor tourney gets a World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. Kenny Omega will be there, Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, the villain Marty Skrull, Adam Page, the entire Bullet Club, the Briscoe Brothers, Dalton Castle, Frankie Kazarian, Chris Daniels, Jay Lethal, Cheeseburger, Diona Parazzo, Mandy Leon, Ke- Kelly Klein will be there. Uh, Matt Taven, Flip Gordon, Delirious, Kenny King, uh, Brandy Rhodes, uh, the Beer City Brawler, the Dogs will be there. So many people are going to be on this cruise, and we've still got more announcements to come. We are jam-packing this ship. We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a a bigger crew, and we're going to need you there. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and reserve your cabin now. They are going fast, so don't you dare miss it. Don't get left behind, and don't get left behind because coming up on Friday... After all this time, it's been over a year by popular demand. Talking Shop returns, but it's a little different. This time we're Talking Shop sober in New York City with a special guest, of course. We've got Gallows and Anderson and myself. Special guest rocker Kurt Hawkins will be with us. But remember, it's Talking Shop sober in New York City. Just as crazy, just as funny, and just as ridiculous. So we'll see you then for the return of Talking Shop. And until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. And I'm Chris Jericho from Kiss.